Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnire. Today we're going to hear from Robert Bucciolato, my co-host, in a, an episode we released 10 months ago at what we thought was the height of the COVID-19 pandemic in the state of Florida, a podcast about the 1918 flu epidemic. Now, 10 months later, we're in a situation where Florida's cases are so high on a daily basis, I've lost track. And I, I was, uh, some of you might know this, tracking in detail, county by county, the numbers throughout the spring and summer and going into percentages and ICU beds available, et cetera. I, I dropped that project. I just couldn't keep up anymore in, in terms of the numbers. And now the numbers are so much higher than that. So we are effectively at the height of this pandemic, the state of Florida in January, 2021. And our governor, Ron DeSantis, who we've talked about before, uh, has taken a very laissez-faire attitude towards the coronavirus and combating the, the, the coronavirus in the state. Very different approach than many of the other states have taken. And the United States as a whole has had a very different approach than most of the rest of the Western world. And there have been varying degrees of success in, in, de in the developed world. But uh, I think among developed countries, the consensus, if you're truly objective, is the United States has coped with this virus worse than anyone over the long haul. Uh, there were points where Italy did a worse job. There was certainly a point where the United Kingdom was uh, as bad as any developing country, if not worse. But over the long haul of the 10 months of the pandemic, now approaching 11 months, the United States probably has been the worst of any developed nation. So anyway, we're going to replay this episode from March of 2020, now in January 2021, on the 1918 influenza outbreak here in the state of Florida. And we will be back with another new edition of the Florida History Podcast for you next week. Thank you for listening. And here's uh, the episode on the 1918 pandemic. Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnanger. And I'm Robert Bocciolata. Right now, all of us are hunkered down in our homes. Whether you're here in the state of Florida or you're elsewhere, uh, somewhere else in the United States, abroad, lockdowns everywhere. As we go through the worst global pandemic since 1918 and 1919. Robert, today we want to talk a little bit about the pandemic of 1918 because it's been maybe underreported, under-talked about in the historic annals. There's been a revival in interest in pandemics in the last 10 or 15 years. John Barry's important book on this, uh, this uh, pandemic, Influenza 1918, I think it set the stage in 2005 or so. And actually, President George W. Bush read the book while in the White House to kind of refocus and, and, and think about pandemics. But certainly, the 1918 pandemic had a massive impact. And the state of Florida like so many other places, was impacted very dramatically by this pandemic. Yeah, they, um, they still don't have solid estimates, um, but they believe that it was about 100 million, 50 to 100 million people globally died from this. And uh, while this podcast is not about national or global news, it's about Florida news, uh, Florida was not left unscathed mm -hmm. by this uh, massive 
uh, global phenomenon that swept through the world for um, really quite mercilessly for about two years. Yeah, Robert, that's absolutely correct. According to official statistics, Florida had 2,712 deaths in the first month of the Spanish flu epidemic in the state, which was the middle of September of 1918 to the middle of October of 1918. Then by the end of 1918, by the Christmas season, holiday season of 1918, we're talking about approximately 4,000 deaths in the state of Florida. And remember, when we're when we talk about the state of Florida in 1918, we're talking about a very sparsely populated place, the least populated state in the southeastern United States. Now, in 2020, as we face the coronavirus epidemic, Florida is the most populated state in the southeastern United States and the third most populated state in the United States. So it's it's different demographically now than it was uh, in 1918. Then in the early months of 1919, and we have no reliable statistics about that here, passed from pneumonia. And the pneumonia was thought to have been more severe because people's immune systems had been weakened by the Spanish flu. Florida didn't have any real big cities in 1918. The Tampa area, the Miami area, Key West, Jacksonville, St. Augustine to a lesser extent, Pensacola to a lesser extent. You also had towns that had sprung up like Arcadia and Bartow in the center of the state. And Bartow, Polk County, was particularly hard hit. Uh, So this did not spare any part in 1918. You you talked about Tampa Bay um, and the the, uh, cigar rollers. Um, This would probably sound um, uh, surprising because I don't think people necessarily even really remember the concept now of cigar rollers. I mean, it, it, but at the time, it was a, a you know, I guess, I guess you'd say an, es- an essential role. Um, you know, all the all the people that are deemed essential workers are still out and about going to work every day, and they were essential workers. And half of them, half the, of of those workers in Tampa Bay, died from the Spanish flu. Uh, flu. And what was so shocking to so many of them was that it wasn't affecting the elderly and it wasn't affecting children the way a normal flu does. So while they were sort of barricading these, uh, you know, these two extremes of of age, um, it was attacking, violently attacking, um, strapping young men in particular somebody you know between 20 to 40 was far more likely to die from this than a child or an elderly person and uh famously the mayor who himself um ended up contracting it he had to hire um basically deputize members of the Rotary Club to sort of police the streets to make sure that people weren't spitting on the streets um, to sort of kind of bring about a, a new level of uh, hygiene control. And that was that was one of the, the great horrors, horrors of this was that so many people were getting it because of a lack of hygiene. Also another issue that we are now facing our our governments are sort of scrambling to meet this new threat and a lot 
lot of the infrastructure and a lot of the methods that are in place got their origins from the Spanish flu. So we will adjust as we move forward in dealing with this. But at the time, we're basically getting sucker punched by events. They too were totally outnumbered by the issues that they faced. You, you look at some of the images of quarantine camps in South Florida and in Tampa Bay, and you wonder how anybody could have been placed there and not felt as though they were basically given a death sentence. People, you know, there, there was, this was long before the whole concept of a safety net with government. Um, there really was no feeling that government was going to protect you or look after you or had a responsibility towards you. These people were basically on their own. And the medical field had nothing to combat it with. And so it was it was a really horrible, terrifying ordeal for every state. But again, particularly Florida. It affected people between the ages of 15 to 40 more adversely than youngsters, people under the age of 15 or people over the age of 40, which is a little different than this current pandemic. Although I have to say, based on the statistics I've seen out of some European countries, and again, I I follow Europe closely because I'm involved in in the sport of football, soccer, as we call it in the US. Uh, In France, uh, about 30 to 40% of the more severe cases have been people under the age of 45. So uh, I don't know that we actually have the data yet on coronavirus to definitively say you're more vulnerable, much more vulnerable if you're over 70. You're more vulnerable in general to any illness if you're over the age of 70. So I, I don't think coronavirus, at least from my own interpretation, is any different that, uh, on that. The mortality rate from the 1918 influenza was 2.5% globally, at least based on the statistics we have, which is alarmingly high compared to any... I, I mean, I, I hate to, I don't want to politicize this too much, but you have some people on the, and, uh, first in the United Kingdom, then it spread to the United States, saying, hey, a lot more people die from the flu or are going to die from the flu this season than from this coronavirus, and throwing out wild statistics. And you had the president tweeting those statistics as well. The reality is a lot more people get the flu and a lot more people get uh, other illnesses. So maybe the mortality, the raw mortality rate is higher. But thus far, uh, and as we record this, we're um, in in uh, late March of, of 2020. The mortality rate in the United States for confirmed cases of coronavirus is well over 1%. It's more like 1.5%, which is, again, like the 1918 outbreak, alarmingly high. Well, and and a, and a few things. Um, one, you know, look, folks, we do this every week, and one of the one of the compelling reasons why we do a Florida podcast, a Florida history podcast, is the fact that history is a powerful lighthouse to shine a path for all individuals in their daily life and their daily choices. And the reason why we are addressing this topic specifically right now is we want to show you all um, that there is a precedent for this, that a lot of the mistakes that we are making, we made 
that. And to to add to your answer your question, um, yeah, there was there was absolutely no way to account for what somebody was dying from, and it was um, it was sweeping Europe at a time of um, you know a, a, another unheard of phenomenon, a world war, and much the way we don't have adequate testing today to determine how many people have it, which bear in mind, um, the CDC is saying for every person that has it, add 11 people to that number, and that's who have it. Um, So while we don't know how many people currently have it, back then they didn't know how many people were dying from it and so when you have this conflict where there was so much death and there were so many opportunities and ways to die nobody stopped to think you know these people that are dying in the camps are they dying from this virus or are they dying from the consequences of war and very similarly more people died of sickness in camps during the Civil War than actually died on the battlefield. Correct, yes. So, so, and, you know, that's one of, that's one of the great consequences of war normally is illness. And uh, finally, you know, to, to add to what you were saying about the Spanish flu and how it wasn't from Spain, it's very important for people to remember that for a very long time, they named illnesses after various groups as a manner of prejudice. Um, the, the very uh, powerful flu epidemic of the 1880s, they blamed on Chinese and Irish immigrants, even though there was absolutely no proof to it. What is, what is transpiring now to sort of label this as the Chinese flu is something that has been outlawed by the UN. That that whole concept, you can no longer name an illness or a virus after a specific group. But at the time, it had a very lasting impact. And it was, once again, a way to separate people from saying, well, this this isn't the fault of our country, this isn't the fault of our hygiene, our way of life. This came from other people. Well said, Robert. Wherever you're listening, please stay safe. Please keep your family safe. And we'll be back with you with a new Florida History Podcast real soon. So as I said, that podcast was taped 10 months ago. It's even more pertinent now in an era, in a period, in a month where we're, we're experiencing more deaths per day in the United States from COVID-19 than we did on 9-11. Each individual day, more Americans are dying than died on 9-11. So please stay safe wherever you are. We will be back with another new Florida History Podcast next week. Thanks for listening.